Welcome to episode 72 of Tactical Crouch. 71 was just a couple days ago. It was so fast. I'm Kick Tripod, joined, of course, by Yiska and Volamel, but we've got another special guest on the show, assistant coach for the Philadelphia Fusion. Huge off-season moves, looking amazing this year. Uh, hey, welcome to the show. Uh, Christopher. Me. Yeah, back at What's it. The record? Who's, who's been on the most now? Because this is time two for me. Uh, I think we've got a couple that have been to Sideshow is probably number one. Parsha maybe? I think we've only had them one or two. Uh, Mineral actually might have been on like really early. Twice. Is it it just twice? twice. Okay. So. Man of elite squad then. Yeah, you're you're (laughs) close. We're going to start. We're going to get a five timers jacket like Saturday Night Live and just uh, send it your way. Sounds good. Yes, we, do. <laughs> we we don't have a five timers jacket yet, but we actually do have a new. Merch Wouldn't it be store. more on brand if we got like five timers pants? Because you can like crouch in it better. <laughs> but yeah, but I don't wear pants. Yeah, but I don't wear okay. pants on the show. So oh well, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but apparently, no it's show. even more on brand than to not wear pants. I need to, no I need show to get then. with it. Uh, yeah, that was uh. Yeah, we'll, we'll work Revealing. on it. We'll work on it for. Uh, we we do have bit.ly slash tcp shop. We just set up a merch store, so uh, we've got a yiscat yiscat t shirt on. Maybe we'll just send all of our guests yiscat t shirts, just as like a thank you for being on. And it's just Heck it'll yeah. be it'll be <laughs> it'll I'm be sure a great one. It. Anyways, we have a ton to talk about, um, so let's just go ahead and actually dive right into it. Big thank you to our patron producers. Battle Crab made Pin Lulshin and Charlie L for supporting the show. If you like the show, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Lots of great stuff here. All right. Here's here's uh here's the big news, I guess, throughout the week. And it's not even news, it's just like a, a rumor. Topical discussion. As far as it's, it's a rumor. But the rumor is uh Overwatch may be getting hero bands question mark. Yiska? Uh, I don't know. Dude, don't you're know. our juice guy. I will, I will say <laughs> that this was a possibility and um, okay, so let's let's say this. You, know, you guys know that I hinted at something um, at some time. said like, okay, this might be happening. Uh, only, that is only because I heard it from multiple people. Maybe that was after BlizzCon. Maybe they just talked to the same person and after that, I never heard anything more, and it never was substantiated to me at all. It was only ever a rumor, but usually when that rumor occurs, you soon hear uh, of it in the usual circles. And um, therefore, yeah, uh, I, I definitely have no new knowledge on that. I was actually very surprised that uh, I think Metro Overwatch came forth with yeah. that speculation. Um I don't know if that is actually the thing that Imon uh, referred to, but we'll see. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot on, what is it, Team 4 or whatever uh, development team and and Blizzard has uh, control and and is working on Overwatch. They have a lot. 
that they consider with obviously three to one and the multiple different iterations of Rolock that they've they've claimed that they've tested. Um, seems like there's a lot of open possibilities laid out on the table. So it's it's definitely possible. It sounds like. So do we know any details about the band system at all? Or is this like more just like, hey, hero <laughs> bands, comma, does it mean we don't know if it's one band, three band That's, based on role based on? Yeah, we don't the, know. That, that is more. Then the fact that hero bands are coming. Yeah. The iteration of how hero bands look like, just as hypothetical, right? Yep. So let's say in, uh, you introduce hero bands in Owl, and you first have to declare the players, and your brother sits down at the PC, and London Spitfire goes, <laughs> doing his band. He's like, well, I guess that's I've been had, boys. <laughs> so, uh, of course, very... Um, very open there's so much yeah. you could do yeah with, with blocks with like um when do you ban do dance like get taken back or do they build yeah. up over a series um yeah, map or per series do your yes. bands affect their bands like do you ban a hero that they pick but you can still pick it or yeah. exactly stuff like this right like so much about the implementation the is... implementation is way more important than the fact sure. of sure yeah. Right, just like each each team picks one, obviously isn't going to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it might do something. I, I mean, it, it definitely if, does something. Yeah. I think if they even do it where each team bans one hero, that would still be the single biggest change to Overwatch we've had. More than like uh, two, 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 and Northern. Um, no hero limit. Yeah, I think so. At least the way we practice, mm. it would change like absolutely everything. Um, sure. The thing with like two, two, two luck is it just all it did was change the matter. It didn't inherently change the way we practice. As a team, it just changed the heroes that people picked, and mm. the, way the game was the same. Where they just won comp over and over and over. It just changed what comp it was. But the concept of uh, like one hero gets gets removed per map. Then all of a sudden, we have to practice every single map with different. Or how do we play this map without Arisa? How do we play it without Sigma? How do we play it without blah 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 blah? So it would like every team would need to have the ability to think on the fly and have like pretty strong in-game leadership to be able to survive in a in a hero ban world. I also feel like you would make the coach's job a lot a more. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it would definitely turn a lot of that on the head. Um, you know, how do you coach around that many variables? It's yeah, going to change it's... versus how do we find the best version of Baroy calls the two comps that he's seeing right now in um, in in Overwatch League scrims as poke and rush, uh, <laughs> but. Um, I guess that's what they're calling it there, but essentially, like, it's just a, do we run poke? Do we run rush? Are we better at this or that? Which route do we take on the map? And all of a sudden, it's like, how do we account for somebody banning May? Yeah, like, right. What, what do you do? So, mm -hmm. would you would you like to see just like off the wall hypothetical? Blizzard calls you up. They're like, hey, Christopher, Hello, we're Jeff. split. We're split fifty fifty. You're the tie breaking vote here on uh, on hero bands. Do you want it? Mm, and what, and do you have an idea on like what, what you'd like yeah. that iteration to be? What I'll say is I, I very, very seriously hope they aren't going to drop drop a game-changing stuff like this two weeks before we play our first game. I really hope that. <laughs> it I sounds more like a, a mid-season playoff patch, if yeah, I'm being honest. Yeah, sure. Uh, I hope they don't do that to us. Um, I mean, it depends. Like, I, I think that the, the way the balance team and everything, the game is clearly in a state where it seems regardless of the decisions you make, on what you nerf and what you buff, it seems like the way Overwatch is going to be played is one comp 
rules all. And then if you're lucky, you have like two comps depending on the game mode, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if, if the goal is to have genuine diversity in the hero pool, then the ban system is going to achieve that. And I think from a spectator point of view, then yeah, I think it would become better. But I also I question like the competitiveness of it. You know, I think that one part of Overwatch is the fact that teams like even Goatsmen, you know, like both teams had the exact same six heroes to make work, and you could see the difference in how teams are able to to make differences with it. And uh, and I think if you just kind of start rolling the dice and you don't even know what heroes are available, and you just kind of rely on players to figure out win conditions and figure out mechanics on the fly, then maybe the, the overall level of, of what you can accomplish goes down. Um, but I dare say any decision they make that helps the spectator aspect of the game is something mm-hmm. that's going to keep me in a job for longer, so I'm all for it, I suppose. <laughs> totally. I, to your point of, of you know, changing how, how practice goes, you know, it, it seems like it would go it would revert kind of back to like a fundamental like first principle level where you now have to not teach but kind of instill into the players that like hey this is this hero does x y and z really well so when we have that put in front of us how do we deal with that we do you know your your coaching staff does this and somebody else's coaching staff so it's still to that same you know goats idea of everybody's given the same tools and it's just how people use them differently so i think it would be kind of interesting to You'd see have to how, coach, how coach people a lot of fund- fundamentals into players yeah like, okay we press that we see that comp now the, the skill would be identifying what your comp win condition versus their win condition is yeah. right because it, if the meta stays the same as what it was on the previous patch, I haven't played this live one, but then mm. you kind of know what every team is going to roll out on the second sure. you go a map. And you all have to worry about is if they, are they going to push left, right? Are they going to do this? And then just executing your game plan. There's very little actually like understanding of how to win that goes into it. Um, because that that's all being coached in, in VOD reviews and you've played the same matchup over and over and over and over and over. So it's just like identifying their small ad- adaptations. But in Rollock, yeah, you'd need to press that. Oh, they have all these heroes. I've never played against this comp before, which is something mm-hmm. that's going to happen all the time. Yeah. How how do we figure this out like as soon as humanly possible? And and to you to your point with like the the spectator you know viewing experience you know this this really impacts or has a chance to I I won't say that it will immediately because I have my 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 skeptics eye on this especially immediately when if and when this gets implemented um, but if it when it does um, you have kind of storylines already making themselves you know like. You know philadelphia fusion and nyxl in the finals and you know the bands come out and you ban jonak and everybody goes crazy or jonak gets to play the zen and everybody goes crazy or pine gets to play mccree you know obviously he's retired but um you know those are already exciting and, <laughs> and can, you know drive an audience and yeah, no, too soon pour one out but yeah i, I think you're absolutely exciting. right i think that the a small band phase and then it would be, i'm sure it would make uh your jobs and and the the desk at the stuff that you guys all of a sudden have a million more storylines to talk about, right? Totally. Like, oh, this band, let's see, did it impact them? Did they get enough value from this? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of positives to it. Alternate it's, it's, Overwatch it history. Game. What happens if so-and-so doesn't ban right. this hero? That'd be yeah, great. Right? Out, yeah, yeah. It, it'll it'll be it, i think it'd be very fun um i'm i'm skeptical especially immediately early on especially like if this does happen like mid-season um i think coaches in general are gonna have a 
difficult time shifting gears into working with that. So it's going to be much of the same, like, okay, I think we want to ban this generally because that's, that fits, you know, it, it plays into our team style or, you know, what our team does very well. So you're going to see a lot of the same bands. And once you give the system a lot more time to breathe, I think that's when you start to see the more tailored, okay, we ban this against this guy and that against this team. If, um, if they're going to do it, I think they have to do it like today, you know, even halfway through the season, there isn't a long enough break where teams sure, can right. If you need to do it, Jeff Kaplan needs to ring me up like during this podcast. <laughs> you know, like, it's going to be really hard for us to get the, the time to, to totally. figure it out. Totally. Do you think so? Then, because uh, yeah, I agree, I don't think that this is. I think this is too big. I want to say this is too big of a change to put in the middle of the season. But we saw what stage four happened exactly. on, yeah. now with two, 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 which you know, and, and you've said that this is obviously bigger than that. But I'm also really interested in to see in how this actually looks for non-competitive Overwatch. So not Overwatch League that contenders, Open Division, right? Because like, do you have some person in bronze, you know, a team in yeah. bronze banning heroes? Or do you, like, make that a Masters Plus? Is that, like, a Masters yeah. Plus thing where you do hero bans? Or is it just an arcade mode? Or, you know, what, what does that look like? So... <clears throat> I think it would be way worse this season to introduce a drastic change because the number of games that each team played are so widely different over the season. It's not like a hot stop each stage where you say, okay, yeah, really. team has X games. Like this, some like Atlanta is only playing in February because like the 29th exists this year. Otherwise, they wouldn't play in the first month of the season. Like Houston has a month break from March to April. They like these teams will have very, very different amounts of games. And depending on when you introduce that, I don't even think during the mid season that each team just has the same amount of games. I'm not 100% sure. By the way, this will also be a mess for us in terms of like we already had a hard time reading power levels based on uh, season standings. Mm. Now it's these teams have different amount of games, so can we can really not see immediately upon looking at the the table who's actually like going to be put where. And it also will potentially actually create more excitement towards the end of the season because some teams will have a game more, two games less, um, and they'll catch up. And it's like, okay, if you win the next three and the other team only has one, maybe you can make plans, stuff like this. But yeah, yeah generally, it's, it's such a hard season to implement a change. Also, because like if you're the outlaws, you'd love to have Rolock come in at the start of March, right? Because you then have four weeks to look at every other person, every other team to just dribble about, figure something out. You're like, copy paste. Nice. Thanks for four weeks of uh, figuring that out for yeah. us. And uh, we take those unnecessary volatile losses that we would have taken um, instead. And to be fair, they could have also won games they wouldn't otherwise but you get the idea right it's it's definitely yeah. highly asymm- uh, asymmetrical, asymmetrical. Yep. in yep. how these advantages would work on top of that you know you've got you know a, a fundamental another fundamental change you know christopher speculating if this is you know this will shake the groundwork of even practice on top of traveling and players getting sick and visa issues and like can you guys give these 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 coaches and these these staffers a break like this is 
let's let's pray that this isn't the season that this happens let's wait till 2021 you know extensive testing hopefully is is in order here hopefully it's just an announcement but uh yeah, yeah I, imagine. Also, I imagine they're hyper aware of the importance of this season right like this is yeah everything that's happened before you can you can say, oh, well, yeah, there wasn't the homestand system. There wasn't, mm-hmm. this isn't how Overwatch League was envisioned to be. So they, they understand that this year is is, is as, as important as it gets. So yeah. if they think mm. this is a change that's going to do it, then yeah, maybe they need to stick it in. I'm yeah, sure. that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's there's it, it's going to be really interesting. Again, everything right now is super in the preliminary. And of course, it's, you know, that one that one tweet that just shocks the world kind of thing. Hashtag San Francisco shock fan or whatever <laughs> I need to put there. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where one one comment probably just gets blown out of proportion. Um, but there, you know, this is this is a rumor that we've heard about for a long time. Yiska kind of alluded to it at, a few months ago. Um, Yiska's like, I think I have some juice. Mm. And, and it's and we I mean, were it's expecting been a the juice and, and, for a while. Yeah, and that's the big thing I want to say though. For people who are like, Yisco, where's the juice? And blah blah blah. Do you understand why he couldn't just go I, on the show and be yes. like, Oh yeah, Hero Band is coming? To be fair, I shouldn't have teased it. And in, in hindsight, it was a stupid thing to do. But yeah, yeah every, f- you Yiska on behalf of everybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So chasing. Oh. <laughs> wow, <laughs> God. the extra nine views we got on the next video. That watch just for the juice. We'll uh, we'll send you a free Yiscat sticker. There you go. There you go. That'll be fine. I'm all about making it right. All about making it right. But uh, let's talk about uh, Christopher. We've got you on. We want to talk about the fusion this year um, or on this show. And let's go back before we go forward. And let's talk about the 2019 season. So after the first stage playoffs in 2019, uh, fusion did kind of fall in a little bit of a slump. Um, didn't, I would say they didn't, they definitely didn't finish as strong as, as, as they started. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, you're not offending me. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're on the same page. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so like it, what, can you talk a little bit about why you think maybe the, uh, the drop off happened and, and ultimately, you know, how the fusion kind of slid yeah. back into that? I think we had, we had obviously there's not just one thing we can point to. Um, sure. I think that maybe, in my opinion, I, I came into this team season two, right? So it was me and Elk and everybody else was a st- season one veteran. So almost everyone before me had been grand finals, top two. And I think that maybe internally, both within the organ, within the team, we were kind of naive to the point where we thought, okay, we finished second last season. And the reason we finished second was because we were the second best team in the Overwatch League. And wasn't because that maybe we peaked at the right time or the meta favored us a little bit, or there was like maybe there was a favorable draw. Like, I'm not saying that Fusion weren't a top two, top four team, but I'm saying that we kind of acted internally as a top two team. Mm. And those expectations we set on ourselves were as of a top two team. So if we beat anybody in scrims, there was very, very rarely a feeling of like satisfaction of happiness because it's like, yeah, we're a top two team. That's just, just what we do. So even if we'd have really good scrim results versus Shock and versus Vancouver, we would just, yeah, that's fine. That's just, that's just what we do. That's how we roll. Um, and then on the opposite, when obviously we start to lose games against teams that we don't, we shouldn't be losing to, then it has a negative. And then I think that that was maybe like one thing internally. And then I also think there was I, the, the risk you run with a smaller roster is that you have very few ways to um, to give people a kick up the backside. You know, you can't inherently threaten, like not threaten, but you can't say, oh, well, if you don't 
don't perform better, you're going to get benched. Uh, and I think that we just kind of had this situation where we we identified, like we knew that goats wasn't a good meta for us. Like it's it's stupid to blame the meta, but that was just a fact. I think really. Of course. Um, and I think at the end of stage one, we thought, okay, it's like, there's no way Blizzard are going to let goats go on after season one. So we mm-hmm. kind of like we we said, okay, stage one, we have a good we have a good stage, you know, and then we're going to be in a meta and we can build. And then the, the stage two and stage three, we kind of do the same thing, and then. What ended up happening was by the time stage four, that was it. We cracked down. We had like a new level of motivation. Everybody was good to go. But I, I think the truth is that being good at goats taught teams certain fundamentals, which carried on regardless of the meta and two twos mm-hmm. locking into playoffs. And maybe there's a world in which we never really understood that style of play. And even though we we're on all of a sudden the meta, which you know Mayhanzo or Double Sniper or whatever it ended up being in stage four at times, even though on paper that's a really good meta for the fusion, we still lacked like certain like team play and certain synergy issues. And then again, it's like you imagine you spend three stages thinking, okay, once Goats is gone, we're gonna we're gonna be back, you know, we're gonna be good. And all of a sudden, stage four comes, and then we just we drop we've dropped such stupid games actually stage four like games we had we had no logical reason to lose. And then again, it kind of it snowballs downhill again. Um, so yeah, I would I would I would argue those are the two main reasons, but I think that I could talk for hours about them. It's all just like small ones, you know. It's not like there wasn't totally. one, like ga- gaping hole. It was just lots of small issues, um, and that hopefully we've we're looking to fix now. And I think a lot of people in there, you know, obviously we're in the the throes of power ranking season. Um, I for one, um, maybe you can call me a fusion apologist in that way because I think I see a lot of people's arguments in and rating the fusion on much lower because of the 2019 performance. But from what I saw, just from you, how you guys were playing, especially early on in stage one and then continuing stage two, stage three, um, it looked like a morale issue. It looked like a, like a, in a, not an emotional issue because that, that I think that carries a connotation, but it was a morale thing, at least for me. And maybe you can speak to this. Um, if that's true, it sounds like it kind of was, but you know, goats was, lasting much longer than yeah, what you guys maybe. expected it to and it affected the team negatively because a maybe they didn't want to play it b maybe didn't think they were very good teams passed them you know it, yeah. it seemed like a, a a multitude of things and now we're going into a season without goats a season that is going to highlight star players this is a team that has a bajillion star players i mean we can we'll get into that much later but this this fusion lineup I think is is tainted from 2019 in, in a lot of people's eyes and I think that 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 kind of puts that to rest. Yeah, no, I I think you're you're pretty spot on about most of that. I think that uh, yeah, just just if it's hard to you hold yourself to such high expectations, of and course. Then obviously, you fall fall below those expectations and you're not enjoying playing the game at the same level you were. Then I think. The mentality side of sports is everything, you know, like you look at the, the best teams in, in any sport and, and if they enjoy playing the game, then everything gets easier. That's like one yep. of the, the lessons I took from last year. And it's one of the things I want to like, wherever, whatever I do in coaching, I always want to, I want to say, as long as my players enjoy playing with each other, enjoy playing the game, then I, my job gets so much easier. We will, we'll start to win. Uh, so at least that's something I've personally learned from, from last season. Totally. Yeah. Makes um, sense. What was the atmosphere like, like during the play-ins and maybe after? Because from a viewer point of view, as we already said, like it felt really deflated. It, yeah, like you well, bombed out unceremoniously, in a, in a way. Like, of course, we also considered like that Shanghai is just good, mm-hmm. which they right. But well, yeah, okay. I, 
This is always a really hard one for me to talk about because I can tell you guys the truth, but no one has any reason to believe me, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, we, we changed a lot for players. Like we actually identified that we'd, we'd escaped the regular season where we were still in a position to compete in playoffs, right? And we sure. said, hey, we watched while our who's our now our roster and who's now our GM did like he put like a little PowerPoint presentation of like the good times of like where we were in season one and how we finished based on just the work ethic that the players put into playoffs and we changed the coaching structure a little bit um and we we made all sorts of changes and every single one of them was overwhelmingly positive like I, mm. I don't want to just leak scrim results mm. or, or like sure. try and inflate them but like really based on how we were looking we thought that we were gonna like Based off how we were playing, that was by far the best we'd looked all season. It actually wasn't even close. Like, we oh. were going through scrims against every single team that we played against and having like mountains of success. Um, and then we just went into a game, and the problem was that in this like this horrible best of seven where we had to like replay Kings Row because there was all this drama. Mm. What had ended up mm. happened was Shanghai was a team that had had a strength, right? Like if they were on a Doomfist Farah map, then that was a map that was going to be difficult to win. And if they were on a map where they had to play this Mercy McCree comp, then we were in a situation where we felt super, super comfortable. What we call the brawl, which was like the... Well, most people played Doomfist Reaper, but we we had way more success with May Reaper. We call that brawl with the Sigma Orissa. We, we felt like any map where it was going to be brawl versus brawl, we were beating like almost every team with that. We were really, really, really confident. And what happened is the first two maps we came in, we were like, we were too hyper, like we were too nervous and we dropped maps which were our maps, you know, the ones we needed to win. And then after after the first break, and we started to build, and then I, if you watch that second King's Row, we played really good. Like, that was actually the level that Fusion holds ourselves to, you know? But that by that point, we'd given away too many maps to the ones that were our maps, and all of a sudden we were left to play, like, Ilios and Dorado. And those are the maps where, like, Shanghai is going to feel feel comfortable. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we, we really felt like Plains was the best we'd ever looked, and we, we really felt like Plains was the best internally we'd felt i think that's when the team environment was actually at its highest during playoffs um and we we really went into that shanghai game like hyper confident um mm. but that's sports you know sometimes like if you play against an elite team like shanghai are, as, as a lot of teams are you give up two maps and all of a sudden yeah you, you're going to struggle to win the series regardless of like how good your practice went the weeks before okay then then that offers the hypothetical you win against Shanghai, you get the ball rolling. Can Fusion do the same thing they did in season one? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to say yes, but I don't know. I mean, I think what happened was you saw. So, what was really interesting about playoffs, I noticed, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the way that the top eight finished in regular season was the exact same of yes. how the top eight finished in playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. Like near check. enough, like maybe. Yeah, Shanghai, very close. Like, yeah, like even like. It was like New York third, like Shock and Vancouver one and two, then Hangzhou, or I don't know how to pronounce that, mm. is fourth. And it like almost went. And even in play-ins, right, where you finished in regular season was where you ended up in playoffs. Like the regular season was almost a perfect. Um, yep. And I think the reason is that that teams with good coaching, with good like fundamental team play and synergy, the longer you give that across the meta, the better those teams become, right? So sure. although we felt like we hit the ground running really well in play-ins, like we felt like we were good, I don't know if I can honestly hand on heart say as you give us an extra week and other teams who probably had better team play, probably had better like coaching organization, don't start to level up. Mm. If you took a screenshot and then on that day of Shanghai and we played every single team played, I think we'd have a really solid chance of finishing quite high up, even though I know we lost to Shanghai, which is why it sounds stupid for me to come here and make yes. it. <laughs> 
but I I think that there was obviously problems within the team that make me think that the longer the longer we had versus like a shock, the more shock mm. we're going to develop day to day more than we were, you know. And then mm-hmm. I don't know, it's hard to say. Interesting. Interesting. I, but I should that... say, and this is it's hyper important that scrimmels are so so irrelevant it's crazy (laughs) it's how how you play on stage so i can sit here i did this far too much last season was trying to tell people whenever i'd go out with the casters and i'd be like no no no, you're sleeping on it's like trust like we should have seen our scrims this week (laughs) so never again like i I, I shouldn't even said it today to be honest with you i already regret it but you know (laughs) we felt at least what we can take away is we felt like in play-ins it was the best fusion it looked all season and it was just uh we just we didn't show up on the day and and that sucks but that's American sports, you know? That's yeah, that's, that's sports. Also, that's any given day. Also worth noting that the uh, the 2020 <laughs> scrims leading into season three are the best you've ever looked. Number one all the way. Got of course. It. I'm not Great. even going to talk about that. <laughs> 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 the last time Christy ever, ever talks about scrim results is an entire career. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to hold you to that one, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so there, there, was, there was a really interesting conversation this week on Twitter. Mm about Carpe. Uh, ZP and Sideshow were kind of going back and forth a little bit. Let me uh, pull this up and see. I can't get the full thing in here, but uh, essentially what ZP had said is, while we're talking about team rankings, the biggest wildcard team by far is Fusion. Fusion went all in on Carpe as a future of their team, something that was not supported by 2019 performance, but 2018. If Carpe doesn't return to form, Fusion likely to be play-ins, at best, and I think the big the big one here that uh, he said was actually the the big tweet we want to highlight is this one: uh, Carpe underperformed all year with the fusion, and him getting outplayed was a strong factor in many losses. You had said that in your mind there were no real major gaping holes in uh, your uh, twenty nineteen uh, finishes, and um, I would say that ZP here seems to be pointing out to one that seems at least from his perspective is a pretty mm. gaping hole. Uh, do you, are, a, are, are you worried about a return to form from Carpe? Do you agree with this take? I guess is another one is, mm. is, is Carpe. I don't want you to throw your players under the bus yeah, because that's, no, that's no, weird, I mean, but yeah, every player has his strengths and weaknesses, right? And, and season one Carpe was able to play the heroes, which he excels at. And this guy played better than, than anyone else in the world, you know, like just, mm. And all of a sudden you put him on a hero which has like Zarya is the opposite of Widow in a lot of ways. Like everything is communication, everything is like just like team playing like obviously there's there's mechanics to it. I'm not trying to downplay the hero, but compared to like the the elements of what makes a good Zarya good and a a, a good widow good, they're different, right? Mm-hmm. So so all of a sudden you have this player the, the exact same way I talked about the team Carpe is someone who Hides himself to an extremely high standard. Like this guy is a, a born winner, right? Like a born, born, born winner. Like true, like championship mentality guy, you know. And all of a sudden, he says, "Okay." Like in his head, he's probably thinking, "You know, I, I played well last season. We were able to get to a top two performance, and I was a big reason." And then all of a sudden, he's someone who plays a hero he's not so good at, and all of a sudden, he doesn't feel like he can have the impact where he wants to. And I think that maybe that was a failure on my part to not like be able to work with him in that aspect to try and like tell him that it. Like to try and calm him down because because you know he just he holds himself to a level where he thinks like I should be the best player on this team I should be the best player in this game and that's like that's who I am and when it doesn't go like that I think it's easy for it to like to get to get in your own head you know yeah. I come back to it that the mentality side of this this game is so big um but I, I don't I don't think anyone looked at Carpe and thought that he had a, a bad season 
necessarily. It just I think it went. It's ZP is probably holding Carpe to the standards of season one, Carpe, and a hit scan yeah. player was able to do so much more in season one than season two. Yeah, um, I think Sideshow says Carpe colon underperformed his quote unquote hit scan MVP level yeah. expectation, yeah. forced to play an off tank for three quarters of the year, and helped his team finish mid table and owl. Uh, compared and, and the compare comparison is to stand one. Um, he says who yeah. had an average yeah, performance in contenders NA is now yeah. the most questionable main tank pickup in 2020. <laughs> Roll with the least talent. Who now has a substitute, by the way? So that's another uh, addition to that whole tweet yeah, chain that I that would be interesting to see them uh, defend or attack. But regardless, it comes back to the the morale of, of fusion. Sounds yeah. like in in 2019 uh, yeah, suffered after stage one. Yeah. So it's, I don't I don't, I don't want us to to put it out as if like we were all depressed and hated our life. No, but the case. But yeah, we just I, within the team we held ourselves to a certain standard. Exactly. When you don't reach that standard, it's difficult. And to go back to the original question, that there's not a single person that's worried about Carpe. Like we know how good this guy is, and we know one. You know, we, we even felt in playoffs and um, plans once he was on on Reaper, we felt like he mm. was like. He was very, 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 very good. And you guys saw World Cup, right? Like, yep. yeah, this this guy's insane. Like, there's not a single part of me which is worried about Carpe at all. Now, one okay. thing that we did kind of mention later on in, in, in the show notes, but it feels like a pretty natural transition. Um, in that same tweet chain, they, I think ZP's big point here is because you guys have signed him to a multi-year deal, you're somehow beholden to him regardless of his mentality regardless of his personal morale to kind of always play him um could you kind of put that to rest are you guys going to run carpe 100 of the time no matter what even if you know he's breaking mice and and robin banks you know like somehow you guys are, are beholden to a, a three-year deal with some weird amount of play time I, I i somehow don't believe that you guys are going to run him if if things don't necessarily work out as intended yeah. right it's almost as insulting, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I'd it be is, insulted it, it, as a coach. Yeah, 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 like our coaching. I assure you that our coaching staff has the backbone to make those decisions should right. be required. And I can say, if Carpe robs a bank, he won't be playing. Beautiful. There we go. See, Reddit. <laughs> Put down the pitchforks. You know, if if Carpe <laughs> is is no bank robbing, that's what we we told him. That that's. <laughs> Maybe just that's one. when you cross the line. Is that no, in the, the, that was in the contract, the right? Like yeah. business class exactly. for some for some people for their flights. Unless Other people are like, rob, just don't rob, rob a, bank. a bank. Just yeah. don't rob a bank. That's yeah. That's that's one of the reasons we we tried to to get as much depth within the within the roster as possible. So that mm. should that should something weird happen, sure. like that, both through illness, obviously being the main one, but the same if performance or attitude becomes a question, then we have options. And, and we've, we do internally feel like every single position where we have two people, we have, we have enough talent where it doesn't matter. You know, we can lose, we can lose almost anybody in there and it's okay. Mm. You know? I think uh, like I, I was, uh, I was researching for an article about like the most promising rookies entering the season. And I just asked around the contender scene, like especially of the guys that were a gauntlet or like that have a lot of um, like investment and would would have possibly even considered uh, people from contenders Korea. And um, Gisu was not initially necessarily on the top five list, but then I talked to people and they were like, "Guys, like Gisu is kind of good, right?" So uh, yeah, I would say out of so, so I, I, with almost all of like the new Koreans we'd we'd signed, I obviously don't have any experience working with them, and I can only watch mm -hmm. what I saw. Sure. 
I would say out of every single player within our roster, the player that surprised me the most is Hisu. Like, this guy's like very, 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 very good. And he has the perfect attitude for what I would want in like a young, young up and coming. You know, he's like, you're so hungry to learn the language. You're so hungry to like become a team player. Like, he's so easy to talk to. Um, I think that, I think we got, we got a very, very, very good deal from signing Hisu. And I'm surprised more teams didn't, didn't go for him. Is there a competitive a competition between Carpe and him, or is it just like a hierarchical like? Okay, he's I'm sure he's is aware of Carpe's season one, so that oh, certainly absolutely. like respect definitely he, he earned a, a lot of respect for Carpe. That's one of the things we we spoke about when he signed for us was that he was it was actually a plus for him to work under someone of Carpe's level. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it, we also shouldn't forget that the. Yeah, so yes, to answer the first question, yes, there's going to be competition, absolutely. Like, Hisu scrimmed with his, the same amount as Carpe in, in boot camp, and we're still going to be given Hisu regular scrim blocks, like probably daily, even though he's not 18 for a, for a month or so. Mm. Um, and let, never rule out the possibility that uh, meta requires two hit scan players. You know, it's not, always, mm-hmm. it's not always just flex and, and, flex and DPS. Like, there's true, absolutely yeah. a world in which like, Trace of Widow comes back, and then all of a sudden, yeah, hell yeah, we have Hisu. Hisu Carpe, that can make a lot of sense. You know, that's why DPS is a position where it's easy to get four or five players for and still find a way for all of them to be useful because meta's change and it's the most flexible role, right? So um totally. I think I think it, excellent sign and I'm 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 quite pleased with it. So can we talk about I think one of your signings that probably I think stole the spotlight for <laughs> it be. Yeah. Hmm. Uh you know, let, let's talk about Chipsa for the second. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm quite uh, familiar with him. Yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've heard I've heard rumors. Anyways, yeah. what's what's the plan with Chipsa? What's going on here? This was I think this was a signing that was really surprising to a lot of people. I think oh, it yeah. uh, opened up a lot of <laughs> it, it created a platform for a lot of uh, people involved in Overwatch League to state their opinions very strongly about it but tell us about the the plan for chips and how he fits in this 2020 roster yes so so i think almost everybody missed the point of the signing and i said this i think i went to sideshow stream and i tried to mm. say this um but I, I can repeat it like we were not in a position where we needed we never felt like oh we need a fifth uh, a fifth dps player right i think between ivy eco hisu coffee we have everything covered you yeah. know we have that might be the most elite dps lineup in the league or like very close to right yes so we were not in a position where we felt it's not so that's that's the argument when people say oh you could have picked up a contenders player that wasn't what we were looking we weren't there wasn't just one spot available and we chose chips over options is we had to find someone that made sense for us on a multitude of levels so the first like from a purely competitive aspect if you are to sign a fifth dps you need him to be a specialist right you need him to be good at that one one hero right and i think that doomfist is maybe the perfect hero where i would i would argue that like chips understands that hero like just the raw mechanics of the hero better than any overwatch league player i'm not saying that he's a better doomfist because what makes you good on stage is how you communicate the decision making but if you were ask asking how does he understand like all of the little intricacies with all the kit i guarantee he knows more than probably everyone in the league sure. that would be my guess um so should there be a doomfist meta then i think it's absolutely possible that he is able to be brought up to speed to the point where he can play games there is also a strong possibility that should there be a doomfist meta but we feel like eco or ivy are better at like the outside of just doomfist stuff that chipser is able to teach him a lot about the hero mm-hmm. because like we said 
And we have a player who we do not need to give scrim time to if not required because he's still... He, it's not like he's getting rusty from that scrimming because he never scrims. He still provides us some sort of like of income, some advertisement because he has the ability to stream, and he makes totally. sense. Like uh, if we if we brought one of these EU contenders players, there is a strong possibility that for the vast vast majority of the season they rot on the bench without getting playtime mm. because it's impossible mm. to get five DPS players all to have a valuable scrim time. It's almost impossible. So we have a player who, if the meta fits, if the situation's right, he can come in, he can provide some competitive value. And when that situation's not in, he also provides some sort of like income value for the team, some like publicity for the team. Like I think that when when I was told when Tucker rang me originally, I was against it. But when he explained it like that, I think I think it makes sense. I don't think it's it's not it's clearly not nepotism, it's not any of this. It's just I just think that that a streamer who has the ability to sometimes have value. I mean, if, if the Meta's never doing fist, then who knows? Like maybe Chips never plays, but that's something that he's aware of, that's something we're aware of. There's no there's no mandatory playtime, there's no nothing like this, you know? Um he's just someone who serves a role and if the meta requires that role, then I think we have someone who's very, very well equipped to to help us out. In a multitude of ways, and this is—I okay. I don't want to. I just want to address the elephant in the room for people sure. who don't haven't heard the 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 parts on online and stuff. Uh, you and Chips are brothers. We are, yeah. Okay, cool. That's just like the the nepotism comment. That was the comment yeah. it was about, and you were from the you know you you stated publicly multiple times that a it wasn't the case, and b there were actually points where you were against it. So uh, yeah, originally I was. Um, because the last thing I wanted to do was was create the situation which which happened on Twitter sure. where my integrity gets called into question because Absolutely. I get my brother in, um, because this job is still the most important important thing in my life, uh, and that was important. And I and I told Tucker and everybody that from the get go. Um, but once he explained it, I'm I'm not going to be someone that purposely holds my brother's career back just so good that idea I don't is get, a good idea. Don't get yeah. the trouble. Exactly yeah. right. Just so happens we have insane genetics or something where we're both, uh, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Brothers, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Uh, I suppose the counterexamples, what could have instead be done that often are, or actually, no, I haven't seen that brought up, but theoretically, the other thing that teams then do is a uh, two way player, I suppose. Right. Um, with like, and I'm not sure if that even works with affiliated teams. I will, however, also say a lot of teams don't like the two-way player anymore for their Overwatch League talent, simply because Contenders doesn't really teach the best. Um, it, it depends on the team, right? Yeah, sure. plus, plus our academy teams in in Korea, and it it would just be it's such a headache to have someone who we want to like bring in, bring back, bring in, True. bring back. It's really hard to yes. not to not. Am I allowed to swear? Not yeah, not sure. to to hurt the academy team. Um, <laughs> you can swear. Uh, it's fine. I, okay. I'm trying to be good. Appreciate it. But you're good. Yeah, you can swear anytime you want. But has he seen a scrim block yet? No, he's he's because he was signed last. He has had the the visa problems. Well, not problems, but like it takes time, right? Of course. Time. Um, so he's he's down doing his visa stuff as as we speak. I think he's down in London right now. Um, so hopefully he can be with us within a week or two. Um, mm -hmm. But he never he didn't come to Korea because it was just the timeline was too difficult from True. from where he was when he signed. He was over in America for a bit. Uh, it was just it was just a bit too complicated for it to work. Yeah. I think sense. I think one thing that uh, people also miss about. Just, I think the, the identity of the fusion organization is you guys have been one of the first and one of the mo pr most prolific users of streamers on your 
in your organization. You had Iman, Kabaji, and Hunmara, I think, for the longest time. Yeah. And they were just there to be streamers. And so, honestly, yeah. I, I, and I, I get a lot of, I don't think I get a lot of flack. A lot of people tell me I should talk about it more than I do. But um, I love the marketing side of these things. And for, from like a mar- sheer marketing perspective, if you have a streamer that you love that's all of a sudden playing an Overwatch League, that's, so you that, telling me that, yeah, if, if I say, if we tweet out, okay, Chips are starting the game against uh, Florida Mayhem on Sunday, are you telling me you're not tuning in? Of course you yeah. are. Every single person. That, yeah. that game gets mad viewership. <laughs> not just his fans, but everybody's would be so Yeah, everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Chips is playing? Yeah, really? All right, well, I got to see this. And I think Siegel, Siegel, I think, was one of the, the earliest yeah. examples of this, where you look at season one Dallas Fuel, and probably one of the best uh, pieces that they had in their marketing arsenal was Siegel. Not only did he perform really well, and I think that it's important, right? You can't just go and find a, a, a GM one trick and throw him onto an Overwatch League team, let him, you know, Rudy it for one game and hope that he, uh, uh, it's an American football thing. You guys might not have seen it, but um, yeah, anyways, he comes in for like one play and, yeah. And then the movie ends. It's, it's the, the build-up to the one play, yeah, and then anyways. he gets to play one play, and then yeah. So, but you know, there's there's that aspect of you have to have somebody there who you know can at least perform yep. and do that. But it, the fact that it makes sense at such you know different level, I wonder if the Dallas Fuel could have done something. But I mean, Siegel was starter right for for them for yeah. most of that season, I guess. But still, that that had to be that was such a great marketing move. Yeah, I guess by both Envy. Excuse, yeah, Excuse 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 was a great yeah. one. We're both no. players before streamers, don't maybe Chips is a streamer before player, but I think the advantage is to Fran, another one. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Saying, I, so people like uh, Atlanta and Dallas, I'm sure if you talk to them will will be able to tell you that the two organizations benefited massively from signings like that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And you have someone 100%. who can play Doomfist. So like you yeah, know, there's that's it. if he was just a, a tracer one trick or something, then maybe there's Yeah, it's, it's like a widowmaker one such... trick when you have Carpe, you're like, yeah. sit down, dude. It's such a such an in-depth hero with so many different ways to, to jump about the map and like to min-max every combo, then I think that's a hero that that it's good to have a specialist for. Should you mm. want to go down that road? Yeah, Makes sense. fair enough. All right. The micro micro teaching aspect is actually huge for him. <laughs> Arguably, like the most knowledge base. It's like it's not really strictly about the mechanics of Doomfist. It's actually the mechanics how they work on each yeah. individual map, yep. and that tremendously impacts what kind of engagements you can take and whatnot. So, yeah, all the little tech options. You know how you interact with the map. Like you're saying, like yeah, yeah. that's that's invaluable. I think so. Well, I'm looking Makes forward sense. to it now. I now I low key want a Doomfist meta at some point just to see this happen and yeah, have my. Whenever we pay that as fuel, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I want I want to see the marketing <laughs> ramifications. Uh, I see. I see. I want to see oh, the marketing. Last, last time I came on this podcast, I think. I- Shit talking, so I'm not. Yeah, I think. I think we're in the throes of that. (laughs) The guy, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. All right. That's a good time. Uh, let's talk about your support line a little bit. Um, funny Astro. Yeah. Uh, so uh, people seem to and which honestly, I'm gonna let you guys ask it. Which which one of you wrote this question? Was it Yisker or Joe? All right, Joe. I'm going to give the reins to you, my man. So in general, I think people look at, you know, alarm as, you know, the, the prodigal 
child kind of finally getting his chance in the sun you you've got fury who obviously comes from you know london spitfire ivy i think um it kind of falls in the same way with with funny astro here but i think these are players that people don't necessarily have heard very very good things very glowing reviews but haven't had like tangible like experience watching um and and we can sit on the show and talk about how the fusion have such a stacked roster but from somebody who has you know recently worked with funny astro where 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 can you sell people on on this 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 main support because we have our small little soapbox but you have tangible experience with him so so what what is this guy about yeah so what i can say is i'll I'll be careful not to say too much but of all the players that we signed and all of the funny astro was by far the most in demand of all the people we signed he was by far the player that we had to fight people off to get him you know Mm -hmm. um almost every team in the league wanted him in one way or another like i think as far as western men supports coming from contenders i think everybody recognized this guy was was the top of the pile he's actually somebody who i've worked with across three teams maybe people don't know this but i i coached british hurricane for a short time before i moved into fusion and so i worked with him there I've done him with Team UK and now with Fusion. So I think you know how sometimes in sports coaches have those players where they like try and bring them everywhere. Like I think that's, mm. that Astro is my guy. Like I, I think his 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 mechanics go without saying. You know, like if you've ever seen his Lucio, it's it's he does stuff that oh, most yeah. of Watch League Lucios can't do. Yep. Um, but I, I really love. I call him like a, a sponge in a lot of ways. Where like whatever he's one of those players who whatever I, I I tell him whatever I want him to focus on, he remembers it and he makes sure that that happens in scrims. And actually, as a coach, that's pretty invaluable to have a a player who has that open mind. He's so incredibly coachable. Um, for his age, he's he's so mature. Actually, like he's he's only what I think he's only nineteen years old. But if you ever talk to him, you wouldn't believe it. Like he's 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 way ahead of of where he should be for his age. Um, and we just think that the potential should he be able to like he needs to adjust his play style a little bit to like fit into like a high level Overwatch League team because sometimes mm-hmm. he just he's still trying to make plays where he doesn't need to. Um, but once we like, we just need to tune him back a little bit. I think we have as good a, a main support as any any team in the Overwatch League. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a, a to 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 your point of you know all these teams you know kind of going after him. I think there's a reason for that, and I think people. Uh, I think hopefully that'll be that that kind of tangible proof that people can kind of latch onto yeah. and, and be excited about somebody who I don't think people are super stoked about. I think they see a lot of the big names, and and obviously Chipsa kind of uh, was the 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 hallmark last trade or last move that yeah. that kind of dominated the news cycle. But I think people are are severely underrating the Fusion's backline. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think our support line, all three of them, are, are very, 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 very good. Yep. Yeah. I I even think, like, if Massa wasn't already so entrenched in the in the uh, structure of Rain, mm-hmm. I could see would. just like from a talent point of view, you take Astro and let him start oh, and just develop that. Yeah, because yep. I think like, Massa is also ext- extremely good. Uh, yeah, Atlanta. We're just we're blessed to have two, maybe the two best Western men supports. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just one of those things, isn't it? It's 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 also. I think that is one that uh, Huck wouldn't be ashamed to say that he kind of dropped the ball on this one because yeah. if people remember back, of course he had a he had a long suspension. Um, yeah. But I think they that like 
that probably would have paid themselves in buyouts oh, yeah. eventually. Without a doubt, Hook dropped the ball, and maybe Astro dodged a bullet. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> maybe both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, the the way people describe Astro to me is like feels very moth moth esque in the sense mm. that okay, we like maybe has better mechanics even. I would say. No, I would uh, say. Yeah. Is more playful, maybe. Um, as more personable, in like, okay. maybe. Uh, I'm, what I mean is in his play style. Yeah, right? okay. like he he goes for the oh, like. More, yeah, one right? of the things that most people think is really good about Moff is that he's he's never the first to die, you know. And I think that's like such an important yes. for for an anchor position. It allows everybody else on your team to make plays. If you have that one guy who he's always doing his job and he's always in position, that's why Moff is the glue guy, the glue guy of shock, right? Like he's the one that mm, never. Yes. Never makes mistakes. He's always in the right place at the right time. Um, and that's, that makes it so much easier if you're a DPS player to go out and make plays. So we just have to find a middle ground between Astro's ability to, to kill everything and then his ability to to do his job. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Totally. I, and that's what I think is so scary about this roster um, to kind of progress through it. Like It seems like almost anybody on this team could make a play. Like You can shift your weight on who takes the, the, the lead in the ensemble uh, to any position, even to main support. And a lot of teams uh, can't really say that about their main supports. It's it's almost like a, I wouldn't say a detriment, but it's it's a it's a position that isn't uh, as, you know, fleshed out as maybe a flex support or a flex DPS where, where you can, you know, ask them, hey, we need you to be able to engage and make plays here. Fusion can seemingly do it from any position in yeah. any meta, That's whatever you need. Internally too, yeah. It's It's, it's crazy. This might be an ignorant question. Who's uh, playing Baptiste? Uh, I don't know if I can say. At the moment, we have a system where if the meta was what it was, where all three of our supports are going to be able to, to play, mm. and there isn't mm. necessarily going to be someone on the bench. Um, but that, that ultimately is going to depend if the meta changes. Um, sure. Sure. Fair so enough. let I, me, I, let me I pose it to you. Just, just so yeah, go ahead, quick. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Um, Usually, what we see in Overwatch League, I think that will be sort of like the 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 thing. Like you know, we we had like Tracer plays plays Zarya. We had that in the past, where that yeah. transition felt natural. And then now, from what I'm hearing, a lot of main support just go on Baptiste, and that seems like the natural part. Um, I've heard definitely of exceptions where it's the other way around and the flex yeah. support plays burp because well, well, the damage potential is so high sure we we had it where like you said the main support played back but we felt that at least in when we were in korea and boot camp and there were certain maps where you could play zen baptiste everywhere and then there's no reason you can't also play two flex supports if you have yeah. players of the quality of boombox and alarm right so we we it's had true. a we had we tested everything we have a lot of options it just all depends where it all depends if, if you're in a situation where you can just always play Zen Bap or if you're going to have to flex onto Lucio um, was probably going to be a, a significant factor in how we go forward. That, that is interesting, though, because usually you think of the main supporters like the vocal centrum or center of a team. To then, I guess that's also the justification why a lot of them just leave them on Bap. Like the uh, justification I've seen is just like, well, you just got to use cooldowns correctly. Yeah. The aim is nice, but nobody, n like, not everyone is rascal, just go, climbs on a flank and just like windows people down. But um, it's interesting that you then considered to take out the main support and you still feel confident in your communication. Yeah. Well, I think that 
maybe I would argue that the concept of a main support has to do the vast majority of shot calling is maybe it's either it's either a Western idea or it's outdated idea or both. Um, mm-hmm. We are absolutely trying to invest in a not invest, but trying to build a communication system where everybody can communicate what they're trying to do in the fight, what their ult plan is for, and then have a system where you have as many people as possible all doing that. Because you should always know how to use your ult best. That should always just be a fact. And if you're in a situation where other people are calling your ult for you, then it's not the most optimal. And I think that's something that, like, uh, I'm pretty sure the shot coaches are, and well, I guess now the Paris coaches as well, they've kind of split off a little bit. Mm. I think that's something that they're trying to enforce too. Maybe it's a Korean thing, but that's absolutely something that we're looking at as well. Like, we can have in-game leaders, like, it doesn't have to be main support, but we want every single player on the team to be able to call what what's required to call. Um, otherwise, you can never have optimal com- uh, communication. Yeah, it seems like a kind of an antiquated idea to just have like uh, like a, a coach's arm in the team and then yeah. just let them be that's the sole it, communicators and, and call everything. That's how it was when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> but I think that maybe the game isn't it's moved on since then, you know? True. Real f- but real I fast. would say they are definitely mute players still in Overwatch. Oh, of course. They just don't talk. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, totally. So, sure there is, yeah. yeah. Do you think that 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 kind of idea of of dating the whole like single caller system did that kind of start with goats? Do you think? I'd start way before goats. It was uh, when we were playing like triple tank, triple tank. We had that exact same system. Goats was one <laughs> of the matters where you could have one person call most of it mm, uh, because it, it's a lot of it was about the order in which you use stuff. Um, like obviously, ults like chat are really hard for you to call because your rank just has to see it. Sure. Um, but if you're wanting to say, okay, let let's use a grav then force the trans and diva bomb afterwards just for example then sure. that's absolutely something that you can have one brain behind um but when you're in this meta where it's like hands of male that like you guys need to be able there's a very very specific timing that the results can come down so mm. they have to be able to call it there's no way anyone else can call it um you just have to see it and be able to communicate and go and hope that everybody's ready to go you know mm, totally makes sense yeah yeah fair enough where do, you, where do you guys want to go from here? Uh, we've got I probably about another half cons- an hour. Yeah, so let's yeah. go. I think the logical we conclusion 40 is... 40 minutes out if we need a little bit extra time. Okay. The, <laughs> um, the logical con- conclu- or that follows out of Astro is, I think, to talk about Alarm, um, mm. generally. Yeah. Um, the thing is with Alarm, I think um, he was always nuts in Contenders. <laughs> like, really outstanding stellar talent. Definitely one of the players that would have been in the league if, if it wasn't for the age restriction and it would have probably been one of the top performers there as well. Um, then, of course, like after they moved to Korea, the team struggled a, a, a little bit. Understandably, like the, um, the circumstances and everything. And um, we also, I would argue, didn't see the alarmish type of um, clutch situations which might be down to opposition most definitely like you, there's always like two to the tango of uh overtime clutches and whatnot so maybe korean occurrence contenders teams are just smarter and not running into him but um do you feel there there was a drop in his performance or is he just still as nuts in his uh okay. maybe I didn't watch content as much as I should have done, but was he not on Moira for a huge portion of that? Uh, I mean, sure. That most definitely, but... Uh, yeah, that, that is very difficult for the Moira to be like the significant carry, I think. It's one no, of those no, things. definitely, yeah. Um, what I'll say is like, they, they talk about it in football and other sports where you can just, you just watch someone play and you just, you just see that there's something like, 
in their head, which just it clicks better. And I, I see that with alarm so much. Like just as just he just has like an instant instinct for awareness. Just he always knows where the enemy is going to come and what's going to. No one calls it. He just it's just in there. Just he's calculating his brain. He has such a like a natural affinity for but where we should position that I, I noticed that like so fast that it just, I don't know, he just understands Overwatch instinctively for, for whatever reason it is. And he's such a great guy too. Like, again, he's another one who's very young, but I don't think I, from what I spoke to the uni team, he, he, there was zero attitude or anything problems with him. Like he's the nicest teammate from, from 16 years old, you know, he's mm-hmm. been like raised well from his parents or whatever, you know, he's, uh, I think we're very lucky to have him. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing that, like sometimes when these these young players like have that kind of success and alarm practically had the most amount of success he could have because of the race age restrictions like we see like it was fairly public with who are you in apex for instance sure. it just like becomes harder to contain egos in that sense that was like I asked around, that was never the problem with alarm he's actually also the perfect teammate he, he really is yeah he's these the whole package, honestly. Mm. Yeah. So I like your backline is nuts to me. Yeah, it's insane. It's so and, and <laughs> to have them placed outside of top five, and granted, these are power rankings. You know, everybody has their opinion, but it it it's shocking to me how many how many power rankings are coming out. And and there, to be fair, there's only a few that do. But it, it's very strange to me to have this team placed outside of the top five, if not top three. Yeah, you this team is stacked. I think okay. So the Top three? the one thing, Joseph, come on. Yo, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll give it two weeks, and you'll find oh, out where he's in this. Right. Oh damn. Okay. Um, definitely but, higher than Yiska's Chengdu. That's for sure. That's for. <laughs> that's for damn sure. <laughs> um. Okay. So another player that from the outside might look very weird to people that especially haven't watched Contenders yeah. Korea is Ivy. Yeah, of course, coming on from the Toronto Defiance, not an especially amazing performance there. Was also thrown around in roles a lot. Like he went from Brig, he, uh, sorry, he went from Zarya to Brig, right. and um, like they they tr- they try to uh, put him in different um, positions. Um, he's also like I I've learned a special type of character in terms of not not that he's problematic in any way. No, it's but. just like um, you, will, you would need different types of yeah. coaching yes. for him. He keeps, he keeps himself to himself a lot more than, than a lot of them. But uh, yeah, there's no attitude problems or any, any problems. Either. No, no, no. no. A, That's not what I'm pl- implying. Yeah. Keep your Reddit th- threats to yourself. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, no my, my thing is, I think from the outside, this looks weird. It doesn't yeah. look that weird if you're looking at the contenders performance that he had right. before, where he was one of the n- most nuts and I would Quite say almost um, intuitively nuts players. It yeah. seemed like when you're talking about these intuitions where the players are, like that's something that's also very inherent to Ivy, where it's like at least that's basically like Genji Blade Syndrome, where it's like, why does he know that he needs to dash there? Well, well he, he knows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's Ivy too. Yes, so. So at least if I remember correctly, when Toronto had their their vast majority of their success last season was stage run, right? I think they went six mm-hmm. and one, five and two or something yes. like that. And I think most people, at least from what I remember, identified Ivy as their best player when he was on the Zaya and he was causing teams a lot of problems. Um, and then like you said, he moved around so much that maybe things within the team got difficult for him. He's actually yeah. one of the players who 
who KDG identified pretty quickly as he liked. Um, and it's the within the Korean scene, a lot of them have like a, a real lot of respect for Ivy. Like I think a lot of the Korean players, like you said, from contenders, recognize this guy as like really, really, really good. Um, for me, like I'm, I'm way more in tune with the Western players and how their reputations and everything. So this was kind of a decision that the Korean side of the the family looked at. But almost everybody and almost everything we've seen since then were happy with the decision for sure. Yeah, I think he got. I think everybody got sold a a false bill of goods with Ivy because of of Toronto's, you know, yeah. pretty poor even, performance. Even speaking to people from Toronto, they said that like just on a pure like mechanical like game sense level, this guy is like insane. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 And and to be fair, like I I think, I think he probably should have been uh, their standout performer. But I, I even in stage one, I think people do remember that Houston game in particular, the season opener. Um, you know, Ivy grabs oh, yeah, being think, highly yeah. questionable. Um, yeah, but but overall, I think he 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 did kind of prove himself on a role that you know uh, again nobody nobody really expected this to last as long as it did. And I think you're going to see a lot of uh, stonks, if you want to call them that uh, shift. And I think Ivy's Ivy's one to, to buy into. I think, you know, uh, there's room for, for, for Hugin to, to, to utilize some of his talents. So yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to Ivy. I can't wait to, yeah. to see it. Surprise. He's not from China based on how much uh, Joe gushes about him on this episode right now. <laughs> Uh, fair enough. I do. I, I want to keep talking about players and, and we're actually going to do that. I'm not going to derail the conversation. There's, there's one, you know, spot left that I think. Yes, be, definitely. Uh, about. So yeah. I, th- um. I think the, the last, um, the last one to probably talk about would be uh, Sato. Uh, yes. Sato is definitely, um, I think has polarizing, polarized opinions of him. I think he's had mm. some polarizing performances. Uh, but he, at the end of the day, he sits at your lone main tank. You talked about depth and you're one of two teams that we've had on the show that actually have had no depth on main tank. Toronto defiant uh, are putting it all in on beast. You guys yeah. are putting it all in on, on Sato here. So sell us on Sato a little bit. Um, does he have the breadth of main tanks to be that, have that lack of depth there? And just like, I think overall, why, why, why is this, uh, organization so confident yeah. in Sato, especially based after, I think if you watch some of like the plat chat comments on it, they, uh, I think they roasted, was it as Ryan that they roasted pretty yeah. hard? Yeah, um, it's, it's, that's, yeah. that's where it's last season. season. That's where almost all of his problems were were on the Rhine. Um, so I think there's something that I firmly believe, and I think it's mirrored by the other coaches and uh, people in management, is that there are certain positions in Overwatch where you kind of need consistency and you need like a pillar. And I think that when you start to sub out main support, like we talked about before, and then main tank, mm-hmm. I think that throws the team off so much that that we wanted to keep stability in certain positions. Like I think you can sub DPS players almost in and out, and you see less of a change in the structure but you've talked about Arissa. like every single thing that we do comes from Sato's pulls and his timing so you need to have someone who is consistent in that um he gets he gets so much hate and i think that i could go on about how the concept of reddit is is it's such a toxic environment because it seems like when maybe it's a human being thing but once that they they realize that you can type whatever you want about Sado and people are going to upvote it. People mm-hmm. just try to one up each other and people yes. love this concept of just like just shit on him, shit on him, shit on him. Or maybe I can say something really horrible. And some of the stuff they say, I, I actually really like 
I feel really bad. Like they, they say mm. some some pretty mean stuff to a guy. And if you've ever known Sado, should read some like, of our one star iTunes reviews. He's the, <laughs> he's the single nicest person you'll ever meet. Like we, no one has a problem with him as a person. And um, what I can say is this: at the end of last season, every single player, every single coach had one on ones with Tucker or with management or whoever it was, and they were able to talk candidly about. Coaches liked coaches didn't like players liked what was the problem blah 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 and every single player every single coach that came back into that room said they wanted to keep playing with Sado there was not a single person that went into that room and said I want a new main tank a lot of teams came and talked to us this season about potentially signing Sado um, hmm. the public reputation is one way people on Reddit don't have opinions they just know they want to get upvotes it's such a it's such a horrible yeah. toxic system yeah, yeah. and they yes. realize that if if the second I've seen I've seen topics which are not even close to about fusion people just find it wait derail it and then yeah but fusion has shadow just because they know it's going to get upvotes and like i think that mm -hmm. one if these people ever it's so 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 apparent to me that these people can't can't watch and understand overwatch at any level yeah and they is. just realize that they can just type this shit and it's going to get upvotes and hey look at me i'm so cool i shit on sado um and that's not for me to try and sit here and tell you that sado played well last season he was like the greatest main tank player but mm. you need to understand that if you if you play Reinhardt in a team which is dis, dis, dysfunctional, doesn't have team play, your Reinhardt suffers always. Yep. And, and sometimes he's out of position, of course, of course, a lot of the time. Um, but I think that every single player, if you got them in this seat right now, would tell you that they, they have no problems playing with Sado whatsoever. And I, I think I, my estimation is this time in two months, you're going to start to see it like... I don't know why you guys were shitting on Saturday. <laughs> the bounce back. That never you happens. You remember season one, he was, they got second place when he came in. He's a really, really good player, you know? And then that people are going to start to like circle joke the yeah. other way and like upvote each other. Like, yeah, these idiots shitting on Saturday. That was never me. I always team Saturday for life. So I think give it two months <laughs> and all these people are going to change their mind. Yeah. It 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 was it was kind of apparent to me, especially you know we're we're getting we're about a month out from the season start, and this is a player who suffered probably a one of the harshest punishments to date in the Overwatch League. Yeah, came through, went so into far. goats, had a a pretty difficult goat season, and is still on the roster. So there's obviously merit there that you guys are seeing. Obviously, you know, as a community, as as pundits. It is difficult to, you know, okay, why, why not, you know, sign somebody at a two-way? Why not sign somebody who could maybe fill in as a as a substitute if need be? But it, it seems pretty apparent that you guys are, are are all in with him, and it makes sense, you know, with the uh, the 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 caveat that you guys are, are looking at main support and, and main tank yeah. as main, you know, a staple picks to to, yeah. to kind of not not necessarily lead the team, but to structure the team with those players in mind to. Uh, to keep things consistent so that i think that hopefully will uh put things to rest but uh, this is going to be the season of sato i think that he's gonna mm. i hope that at some point the fact that he was shot on for so long comes back to bounce back in his favor and then it he, at least he becomes like memorable as the player even if they want to try and sell it as a improvement arc so that they, they don't have to admit <laughs> they were wrong at some point um sure it's, yeah it's gonna happen i think that i have so much faith in him i don't have a single problem with it and interesting yeah. How is how is he working out in in what what looks to be a very like Arisa, Sigma, maybe even a little bit of a wrecking ball kind yeah. of uh, meta. I mean, his, he played Arisa in season Grind one well. grand finals, right? Like true. Um, the, the guy is a. Uh, I don't know. Like, is if the 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 complaints about Reinhardt, I can understand because he's. You need to understand before Sado joined Fusion, he'd never played competitive before, right? He was purely a of ladder course, player yes. that game, yeah, yeah. right? So when he was on ladder, he was playing Arista and Winston, and both as Arista and Winston are, are elite. 
And I think the second he came in on Winston and came in on Arissa, I don't think gesture was really good, but Sada was also very, very, very good. Sure. What I can see is that his his mechanics are that of any main tank in the league easily, I would argue. Like on a pure mechanic, when I watch him play um, compared to other main tanks that I've either coached or I've uh, just like scrim against, his ability to hit every single pull at the perfect time. Like I, when I played main tank, I don't understand how these guys do it, but sometimes they just fire the dragon and then Sado's already knows exactly the dragon's behind it, but he knows where it's going to be, you know, and the pull is the perfect time. And he, he like he's so he's another one like Alarm where I think he does have like a very natural like understanding for certain aspects of the team. And obviously mm. he's still not the complete player. Like we said, he's missed a few years of competitive of experience, course. which other players have. And that that's gonna hit him double hard when he just goes in and has to like play Reinhardt or whatever. Um But I think that that it the potential is there. And if you if you knew no sound, you know how much he grew over the last year, you'd have no problems. Like his English went up leaps and bounds, his personality, like how he is within the team, he's so much he's like a big brother to some other players now. He's so mm. outgoing and like in, in for team environment, he's he's such a good player. Like um I, I really yeah. like the kid a lot and I I mean I've said it about every single player, so it <laughs> but, um but no, I I think he's he's very important to this team. I think another important thing that people need to realize when when you talked about these uh, postseason interviews with uh, management, no player or very few players in the Overwatch League would just say, "Oh yeah, please keep him. He's very nice." Yeah, that's not what like Trust nobody me. does that. Everyone yeah. just wants the best main tech they can get. Yeah. Like they don't want to play with shitters in their team. Nobody Trust wants me when that. When I say that, if you meet players like Eco and Carpet, these guys are. Fucking winners, right? Like winners, winners, winners. <laughs> they don't care about friendship. There's no, there's no. Carpe inside. I want friends, so Carpe keeps him on. Carpe wants to win more than anything else on this earth. And if he didn't think Sado was the man to to do him that, he would have very abruptly said, "Get him out." Uh, yes. And he didn't. And that's because uh, because Sado is not the problem forehead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also like one a thing. Okay, so here here are two things. I sympathize with the public a little bit in the of sense course. that it is very hard to judge main tanks without having a full picture of comms oh, and everything. Without a doubt, yeah. Like I'm currently doing research on an on a high uh, on an elite or a, play, a player I considered elite. I talked to coaches in the Overwatch League. Oh, yeah. I feel very wrong now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also wonder if I'm asking the uh, wrong people, and I even question the the concept of. Um, of like awards because you know how how much tape you gotta watch before you have a conclusive idea of so someone's performance that can be separated from the team's performance is actually insane and there's like coaches there's only it feels like a designated amount of or part of the coaching staff that even does that much tape as it would require to have a good idea about the entire league right so in that sense i i agree that like it's very hard to judge, especially as a layman. I will say then don't. <laughs> like just like refer That's to like expert opinion advice. and <laughs> just like uh, just lose use different language. Just say, okay. Yeah. It's it's like I, I agree by the way with the public saying I still think that it is to a degree an a gamble to not have a second main tank just because of um things like illness or yeah, visa issues yeah. right so um especially like that still was interesting to me that you guys opted to not do that i don't think it's a very big problem in the current meta as long as arisa is there like of course having a great arisa makes a difference but i think you can also 
like for the game that it doesn't work you can probably put someone else on that position like poco or whatever yeah and uh, have them fill in. I wonder what happens when when the meta moves uh, moves away from Orisa and you need like a let's say this won't happen. But what if there's a monkey meta and Sato is sick? Yeah. Then then yeah, you're right. Then that's a problem. Then they but play alarm. But there's there's I, I think there's very few teams where you couldn't say well what if find something like this. Meta, yeah, like there's always there's always going to be like the potential for for illness and. Absolutely. Yeah. the The argument then, though, is like you still have an, an open roster slot, yeah. right? I'm not sure. I haven't looked it up. How feasible it would be for you guys to pick someone up um, uh, in the mid season based on travel. on uh, travel. I mean, maybe maybe travel, but it's uh, I can't say. But it's it's not as simple as just time. Plus, we we really really don't think we need it. Like there's mm. okay okay part of it. So. Just just to stay on Sato for for one more moment, and it's not really so much on Sato, but you also added Fury to the roster. We did. Um, who is sharing the off tank role with Poco? He is. Uh, we we talked about having a pretty stacked support line, uh, but assuming Sato, I think, uh, performs at the level that I think uh, you sold us on here, and um, have kind of said is. Uh, the level that he can play at. I mean, is this? Do you look at this as your uh, a really powerful tank as well? Like, what can you tell us about this off tank role? And uh, I, I do want it a little bit from the lens of like Sato, um, who is uh, you know who who we've talked about as you know being being a little bit faltering, especially like on Ryan or whatever. Uh, yeah, but yeah, tell tell us more about uh, that relationship. We we never at any point felt like. We didn't sign Fury because we thought that him, uh, Sato and Poco had bad synergy. That was the opposite of the case. I think they got on well. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people maybe said that we didn't need Fury. And I think that conceptually, that's right. Like I, w There was yeah. not a single person who thought that Poco was a problem. We, I still maintain yeah. he's the best uh, Western off tank and maybe like close to probably top five in, in the league. Like I think Poco is very, very, very good. And I think his Sigma is like outrageously good. Like Very, very slept on personally. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that the, there's something in sports where teams that want to win, if there's an opportunity to buy one of the best players in the world, you have to take it, even if it's not the position totally. that's needed True. the most. Uh, like this this anecdote maybe doesn't work for anyone except Jeske, but there was a time when Manchester United a few years ago had just finished second in the league and we already had Wayne Rooney and we already had like an elite striking squad and we needed a midfield. Our midfield didn't exist. But in that summer, we went out and we bought Robin Van Persie and we just added a player to, to a striker's list, which we didn't need. But it's like, yeah, the opportunity for one of the best in the world becomes available. If you if you are a team that has the intentions of going all the way, then you have to make inquiries and you have to try. And that's yes. kind of how I explain the Fury situation is. This Fusion, we, we are very, very serious about winning everything this year. Uh, and I think that signings like Fury are a statement of that intent, you know, like... He, he's as good as anyone in the world and we think that him and Poco between them cover every base and I think regardless of who's ill, who's playing, we have an unbelievably yeah. talented off-tank and I think that we're, we're very fortunate in that aspect. Yeah, I think <laughs> that goes without saying that Fury is, it's not just okay, so there, there are people that you could consider elite off-tank on the basis that they are an elite diva, Yeah, but Fury's more, like we've already seen he's more so um, I think that is 
such a i think and you don't need to say anything about this but like the moves that uh the both organizations made in terms of uh, london spitfire uh bringing uh, um bernard and the second name escapes me fuse yes yeah uh in for them and then um furico and all the like that's that's also if that was indeed a trade it's just something that makes the situation more opportune if you like if it just as christopher said is if the opportunity provides itself yeah. i don't think like think of someone that shined so bright in a really mediocre team last season there are not that many mm. players like this where it was very obviously we could all agree fury is a top three tank in the overwatch league and he's playing on a 14th best team that's that's an outlier uh, situation Kareev was I a role star yeah thank you <laughs> i don't know what more you want man you just gotta you just gotta keep jabbing at him with it huh just keep keep mentioning it <laughs> right. i mean it is ridiculous to be fair you know it, it is it is fun to bring yeah. up yeah. If, if reddit can make fun of sato that's true i that's can true. make you funny can, you can I, jab can, I can jab yiska about Kareev, right that's, that's fair. my that's right fair. I'll do it to, to be fair. Face, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on those 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 spreadsheets. I want to see who who why why this kid got an award for playing you know a couple games of flex support in the oh, season. No, we're not going. Joe, I, I'll we're tell not, you I, the I, thing I, is, it's probably not, not even just here. the journalists, dude. I think we are. No, so, I mean that's fair. We are so like we think. Okay, this is obviously I the case. This. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm you sorry. Started. I did. Yeah. I mean, now you got to eat that that shit sandwich. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, that it's simply that also coaches just wildly disagree on things that we think is the most yeah, agreeable stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like I, I could give you a name and I would definitely find at least like five people in the Overwatch League. I all highly respect sure. for their knowledge sure. who would say Fury's shit. I could yeah, probably, maybe I, not shit, but average. average I could definitely sure. find uh, someone that... Say, oh yeah, use another beyond, example. Oh, yeah. Let's try not grabs. to use an example of a player of a eating grabs like his his uh, game awareness. He is like this and this. And it's like yeah, but do you know that he had to fight for his life in the rocker locker room or something? Like it's it's just like the the circumstances or the the type of things that certain coaches value yeah. is very um, just, very very different and it's also oh, speaks yeah. to the fact that you can arrive at success in overwatch still in very different ways it's not like a um it's a, not solved it's true yeah it's not solved in any way could could the season one boston uprising be a, a top whatever six team under a different organization right like uh, that's a question that, that's my question I, yeah. I would say it i would say that that was the the plan I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I am wholeheartedly I, disagreed with, so yes. <laughs> I'll see myself out. I think the argument for what you just said is that you can make a very, very good argument that the way that Shock ran and managed their team and the way Vancouver ran and managed their team were very dissimilar. Mm. Both of them played at such an elite level that yep. there's no right way to do it or wrong way to do it. You just That's need to understand way to put it. the mentality it's... of the players you have and, and the coaches you have, and then what works for you is going to work for you. You know, There's no right way, there's no wrong way. Yeah. That's a that's a much better way to put it. I take my statement back. It might not even be in the final edit. I don't know. I might just like cut it. It'll be you might remove it in post. Yeah, it'll be like the film and loss that they walk. And there's just like just little cuts randomly, like make sure not to. And let's talk about Sato. 
Uh, so yeah. Anyways, all right. Fair enough. Uh, any other? I think, yeah, go ahead. I think last thing to 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 kind of touch on. Uh, there's been a theme within the show of of being being uh, having a championship mindset, being winners. Um, and this this roster definitely looks like a championship caliber team. Um, so I, I think it'd be remiss not to ask you about the internal goals and maybe your own personal goals for the season. Is is not taking home a title an abject failure in your eyes? Bad. I think that's you play a very dangerous game if you say anything but first place is a failure. I think that's very, very difficult because you can have sure. 19 failures in the league. But I, I think you're right. I think that within our roster, I think within our coaching staff, I think we have every single tool that could be possibly required to win the Overwatch League. And I think that we're gonna we're gonna aim for the top. But I think anything within the top four, and we can we can sleep sleep well at night because at the end of the day, this is a rebuild season, right? Sure. Like three new coaches, like half of the players are new. Um, moving to a new city, like there's a lot. When you're gonna go against teams like Vancouver and Shock, who already got the blueprint, and they already have it established. I think mm-hmm. this is still what a lot of in football we would call like a rebuild season, you know. Um, That's fair. But at the same time, we've invested enough money and enough resources into this team where we can't we can't have a season like this yet. It's just it's. Mm. I won't be here this next year if, if I allow that to happen. You know, like totally. Just too many winners on this team and, and in the coaching staff for us not to to really push yeah. for the very best. Would you be upset if you didn't make playoffs directly? Yeah, I would be. I would be. I would have had to have done something horribly wrong. There's too much talent on this team to, <laughs> yeah. to fuck up. To be honest with you, like we, it's uh, there's no role in which like everything we asked for in terms of of for Tucker and Rustin to go out and get. They went out and got you know we they were got, we were mm. we were so blessed with how our management handled this off season, um, and and we it's now our job as coaches to to pay them back you know. So I, I do want to ask you really quick because we we kind of skipped over it so I'm going a little bit out of here or out of over here but there was some pretty major coaching staff changes and yeah, um, you're outside of and I want to make sure that I get this. This one right outside of, of, of Roston, um, Joe, and of course, uh, BLT. Uh, you are essentially the only coach returning this year. Uh, yeah. so you survived, yeah. So, I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the brand new coaching staff and, and maybe the, the changes and differences that you've seen yeah. so far? So, so I think that this is again. I, I'm sorry to keep going back to football, but it's it's my only reference point. I think you see it so much in in football that, um, and this is English football, not American football. That uh, that sometimes, even if the coaching wasn't necessarily the problem, the team is in such a slump and in such a way in the morale that there, there needs to be a change up, and you need to bring in people with new ideas and a new regime um, to remotivate everybody. And I think that's absolutely something that happened. Like I, I think that I'm not going to tell you that the coaching was brilliant last year like myself included like all three of us we could have done more we made a lot of mistakes we realized certain things about the way we ran the day-to-day that we realized too late to fix you know and we absolutely need to shoulder a big portion of the blame for how we how we failed last season um but there was as much of it as we just need like fresh faces um a new regime a new overhaul like philly version two um so that that the mindset that we had last season of this is the level that we are as a team goes away, you know, um, and you see it all the time in traditional sports, just a new manager comes over and then just, just re-energize the team mm-hmm. because it could be completely different. Um, in terms of the coaches we have, like, I think I maybe last 
time I came on, I spoke so highly about Sata, and I think mm-hmm. I probably spoke. I've been very open about how much I respect and, and like KDG. Um, so I think that really I was the I was the winner of this offseason because I think that I could. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of it seems like most. I didn't even strikes you. I didn't even <laughs> put those. <laughs> I didn't like, put those two pieces of information together until in. right now. Got, my favorite former coach. I, I kept Sato, who I love, even though clearly he was the world's biggest problem. Like, I'm really, people think it's Tucker, but it's really Christian yeah. behind the scenes who's running Fusion. Um, no, but I think that I, I personally believe we have as good a coaching staff as any in the league. And I think that um, obviously I've worked with KDG in the past, and I think that as terms mm-hmm. of head coaches, I think he's, he's as good. Uh, even, even compared to people like Christy and 9K and et cetera, I think he's. He's a very, very elite coach, and I'm I'm very excited to to see where we go this year. As a uh, kind of a, a throwaway, you know, selfish, selfish ish question, selfish. Um, will Saito be uh, traveling with you guys? Is he going to be on the road, or is he uh, going to stay remote? He's he's going to be remote. Um, okay. He might, maybe we see him at Paris. I'm I'm not entirely sure to be honest with you, but we've we've signed him under the impression he's going to be remote. Uh, gotcha. And if we bump bump into him, we bump into him. But interesting. Yeah, I, I that that's a that's a legendary you know autograph or or, or meeting to to get a hold of. So yeah, I think that would be if I had known. Be a fun one. Yeah, if yeah. I, had known, I think he was a takeover one. If I had known that I could be selling those <laughs> like Bitcoin, like I would... really, yeah. Uh, he, he is he is a bit of an enigma. Awesome. He's unbelievable when once you actually start to to work with him. Just mm-hmm. I don't the work I think that guy does is is uh, it was a real steal to be able to get him. Yeah. Uh, can can I talk about one last coach because I be think quick, not yeah. a lot of people uh, know about him, but Moby Dick is actually like from what I'm hearing, and he's worked with a couple of teams now. Everyone says he's nuts in terms yeah. of game knowledge. Like Absolutely. he's like a supercomputer, just like calculating. Oh yeah, you did this wrong in this fight. Like it's just very like intuitive and like uh, yeah. we we. We we originally we, we looked at various coaches and eventually KDG became available um, and we signed him as soon as humanly possible. Like when that became available, I, I told them like, please get this guy. You know, like if he's bad, you can fire me or whatever. You know, like I, I know how, <laughs> guys. I know if we want to win, like this is the guy that we need. Um, and then we kind of had to look for another assistant coach. And there was a few guys on the list that we spoke to. And then and Moby's name came up. So what I did was kind of similar to you. I asked about, I spoke to some of the guys. Because obviously he'd coached, I think, Smex on NRG when he was there. And he'd coached Toronto last season. Mm. And when I spoke to them and, and I heard the exact same thing you heard, that this guy's like overwhelmingly smart. Um, and then we, there was there was a really interesting thing that happened in the Korean boot camp. We, we were having some sort of discussion and people were saying, we need to do it this way. And people were like, no, we need to do it this way, blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, we we're getting into it, you know, like as teams tend to do. Sure. And then just Moby just comes to me on the side and he says, why don't we do this? And it wasn't it wasn't A or B. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's actually better than both. And it's clear that he doesn't, he thinks about the game in a, in a unique way to the point where he absolutely is able to problem solve without just A or B. He, he thinks mm-hmm. about it in a different level. Uh, so I, I think our coaching staff is, is unbelievable. Uh, all three of them, I, I'm I'm super lucky to be surrounded by people like them. Hmm. I'm pumped, man. I'm so glad yeah. we haven't done our top 10 power rankings before talking. <laughs> <laughs> this will make yeah, it so much easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, though. Uh, last last chance. This is this is literally last call for questions. Yes, good. I think we got them you all. You guys good? I think we got we got most of them. I think we definitely got the spirit of them all. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. There's, right, there's, there's a reason they're they're top uh, top five. 
All yeah. right, fair enough. Top so then, three. Christopher, we're going to get you off here, but before we do, we'd like to give you a chance just to uh, any messages you have to the, the Fusion fans out there who I know your uh, Discord mods and uh, social media peeps have been so uh, gracious as to uh, share the show with them. Um, right, yeah. So that, yeah, so they're here. So there, uh, a lot of people are in here from there. Uh, any anything you have to say to them, those uh, Philly fans gearing yeah, up uh, for season three? See, it's on them now. Uh, I think we've done what we can in the off season, and I assure you, we're going to be working as hard as any team in the league. Um, before I joined Philly, the thing that everybody told me was that Philly fans are crazy, you know. Um, so I'm interested to see. I want I want our home games to be something special. I want every team to come away from Philly knowing that they've had to play against the crowd, which is. I want to create an atmosphere, you know. I want it to be like the the Anfield of the Overwatch League, or whatever, you know. And when we win, I want to see people climbing lampposts or wherever it tends to be over here. I want to <laughs> you know, climbing, but not go. breaking. Let's be <laughs> just, you know. Yeah, just I climbing. want full on riots. I want I want Philly to win it all at home, and I want cars Stealing on fire. Televisions. I want. That works oh yeah, for me. yeah. That's all right. There you go, uh, Christopher. Props to the fans too, because they're to... they're flooding chat right now. This this is this yeah, is you guys. like. You're actually talking to fans. You know, a lot of people come on, you know, it's more of a hypothetical question. No, there's like serious fanatics. I think our home stands are going to be very good. I'm, I must admit that's my favorite part of this season is to it's dream ever since I was a child to be able to work in a sports team, which which has an infamous ground, you know, and obviously we don't mm. have the Philly Fusion Arena until next year. But uh, if the fans are even half as passionate as what I've been led to believe it, I think that teams are going to not want to come play Philly in Philly, which I think is the goal of the, the home and away system, right? That'll be ideal. That is ideal. right. Yeah, that's that's it. That's that's the ultimate goal there for sure. Well, uh, thanks again so much uh, for being on the show with us yes, and, and and taking time. I know you're you're in crunch time. The season is like yeah, could, two and a half weeks away. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's so close. So thank you so much for tiny, finding the time to uh, sit down with us, talk to us about the fusion. I think a lot of amazing answers i think a lot of really challenging topics put to rest here and so i hope so can't thank you enough uh for that um any shout outs where people can find you all that kind of stuff before we sign off i'm actually on a social media detox you know i've decided it's not healthy for my brain to read reddit or So if somewhere you can follow it, but I actually don't care. Do your own thing. Live your life. I, right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. Love right. it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks so much. We're going to go thanks, ahead Chris. and get out of here. Uh, big thank you to everybody in chat who joined and tuned in, asked your questions, gave us your thoughts, spammed your emotes. Uh, if you like the show, consider dropping Twitch Prime sub, any subs right here. We really do appreciate all of that support. You can also go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. We actually crossed our $250 goal this week with Jory R in Indiana. Thank you so much. Welcome to the patron club. We're going to have a game night. It's going to have to probably be this weekend. Um, so we'll let you know specifically when that's going to be. We'll tweet it out and all that kind of stuff. You can follow us at tactical underscore crouch. Uh, leave a five star iTunes review. Somebody did, but I, I lost the I lost the little email with it. I'm so sorry. We'll thank you next week for your five star iTunes review. Follow me at Kick Tripod, Joe at Volumel, Yiska at Yiska out. I'm sure they've got great stuff coming up this week, so it's definitely going to be there. Other than that, though, thank you so much 
for uh, tuning in. Episode 72, we're going to be back. We might actually do another episode between now and next Tuesday to just get back on track with power rankings. I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Bye.